you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes and Stitcher and NFL.com slash Shek. S-H-E-K, Shek, Shek, Shek. All right. Earlier in the week, we reviewed the AFC and how the draft of last week in Chicago, Illinois. We had a gay time out there, as we discussed a couple of days ago. We are back now. We focused, like I say, on the AFC, how it's going to affect what really matters in pro football, the playoff picture. As I said on Tuesday, and I say again to you now, of course, it's a successful season by most franchises' measure if you get into the postseason, which teams that haven't been in the playoffs recently, might sneak in, which teams might fall back. Go back and listen to it. Me and Bucky Brooks had a grand conversation about all of it. Today, we're going to talk about the NFC primarily. But, of course, if you've been paying any attention at all, you know that pro football is in the news prominently, not once, not twice, but three times. Brady, Lael Collins goes to the Cowboys, Ed Reed retires. So, yes, we have much to discuss. One thing, though, about pop culture black tie behind the glass that I did want to make mention of, because I like to hail those. As a man of justice, I feel that those who deserve credit where credit's due should be uh, identified for that. And one Larry Fitzgerald, uh, world, uh, you know, world-class wide receiver of the Arizona Cardinals, world-class human being at that. You know, he, he is in contention for the mythical most interesting man in the football world title with all the stuff he does one of his passions game of thrones like you and me black tie right that is correct well he told us back in december we caught up with him on the show and i asked him as a as an enthusiast of the show game of thrones who he thought might win the throne ultimately who is going to finish as the king of kings here's what he said he went off the off the board here i thought 
You're a big Game of Thrones fan. Who do you hope wins? Who do you think will win? Who do you think will be the king of all kings? Uh, I'm gonna go with Stannis, Stannis Baratheon. I, hmm. I, I always kind of put for him. He, he got the he got the short end of the stick um, early on, um, and and I kind of I kind of pull for Stannis. He's he's very stern. I'm not a big fan of the the Lady of Fire, but I like Stannis. I like where your head's at on that answer. Stannis Baratheon, <laughs> though, that one's a little off the board. That one drops my jaw a little bit. Vegas wouldn't take any action on Stannis back in December, I'm sure. He was a villain. There was no chance. He's hanging out with that red witch all the time, but now he's turning into a human being, isn't he, Black Tie? Not unlike to connect two nerdy universes, not unlike when Luke convinces Vader to shake off the... I don't want to ruin that for you. Spoiler alert, Black Tie. I don't want to ruin it for you, but not unlike the way Return of the Jedi concludes. That's all I'm going to say about it. Most human beings know how Star Wars ends, how the how that trilogy ends. But it could be that Stannis, maybe he has to vanquish what's in his head, this red witch, and get rid of her. And he'll rise even higher, and he will be triumphant. We saw a nice little move by him as the dad of, uh, of his poor little girl who has that... Uh, almost terminal illness on her face. What's it called? Gray scale or Gray something? Gray scale, something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah, more shocking about that is that Larry Fitz roots for Stannis. Who roots for Stannis? Now I do. He's now a, I'm on board. Especially at that He's point. cool now. Now he's a good guy. You a can bit see. Better, but he's still kind of like, eh. And, by the way, the I bar- do like his theme score, though. It's pretty the cool. Baratheons are cool. You know, you know, if guilt by association also – He's cool by association. His two brothers, Robert was a fat but nice drunk, you know, fun guy. And his other brother seemed like a cool guy, too, until that ghost came and killed him. Spoiler alert. Sheesh. All right. Well, that was three seasons ago. All right. Let's say hello and talk some pro football with a guy who we've been kibitzing with quite a bit and a guy we haven't seen in a few weeks. First of all, let's say hello to Scout Supreme. He's been again. He's been our MVP for the quarters poll of uh, the DDFP here as we uh, as we move towards summertime. Yes, crazy quarterback rankings. Yes, he did on the on the last episode. Um, as yeah, we move towards summertime here. And you sort of agreed with him, so yeah, they're kind of crazy too. Well, on some of them. Anyway, let's say hello to him. It's Bucky Brooks. What's the poop, fella? What up, Shaq? What up, Black Tie behind the glass? First of all, Bucky. Yes, Black Tie mentions your quarterback rankings that caused a bit of a stir. I believe they're valid now after the Deflate Gate. I, well, listen, I agree too. Again, I'm going to review them very quickly. But if I'm, you missed, I mean, the I mean show, we, can put, we can put Brady up there. We got to put an asterisk though. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. I mean, we do. Like if, if Barry Bonds is up there with an asterisk because he has some performance enhancing. Well, you know what? We'll say that Tom Brady can be in my top five, but we have to put an ass. Bucky Brooks did not include Tom Brady. Now, understand, a lot of Patriots fans very upset on social media. How dare you? You're crazy. Disrespectful. You're not allowed to talk. You You need to lose your job if that's what you think and so on. But for what it's worth, this isn't a career achievement review. We're not ranking who the best quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era are. No. We're talking about who is the best quarterback going into the season right now. Bucky is of the mind that Tom Brady, and he cited some numbers that support his opinion from 2014, how he performed in third down situations and so on. When it mattered, last two minutes. You said, Bucky, you said line. Aaron Rodgers won. I agree with that. Ben Roethlisberger, I agree with. 
at number two. That's then cool. we then we part ways after that. And then we had we had I had you Phillip said Rivers. Phil Rivers. Phil I don't Rivers, that. Andrew Luck. However you want to. Flip I would say around. Luck. Okay. I'd probably say Luck three. I might even put Russell Wilson ahead of. Him. And then we had no. I'm not gonna put Russell Wilson ahead of him. Big Ben had two games last season that inflated his stats, guys. Let's let's calm down on that. Like, like, Luck like is a better. Luck out. Were those NFL games though? They were, but it's okay. Okay, they count. <laughs> I mean, they count, I mean, they count though. That is a great point. I yeah. mean, they count. It's, it's not like, like you were playing Richmond or, or, or yeah. Stanford or someone. Like, it's the same It's the same level. Yes, All it's phony. You're right. If a running back, if an SEC running back goes for 350 <laughs> against some bum double uh, A team, then it shouldn't count. Right, However, they're, they're all professional. The Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts were professional teams that the that he did that against. Give me, give me consistency. And the Ravens, it's like fantasy, you don't want the guy who's going. He is consistent. He doesn't turn the ball over. All right, pipe down. We're gonna get into the. We're gonna get into all of it. Andrew looks better than Big Man right now. So I'm saying, I can see an argument what? for that, but I yes. disagree. But all right, let's then say hello to the aforementioned guy who we haven't seen in a while. He's our, res- our resident uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, and I wonder if he'll bring up the name Romo as we get into this. And, in fact, there's much Cowboys news to discuss. <coughs> it's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop with you, fella? He's over here loading the gun. He can't talk right now because he's loading the gun full of stats. <laughs> he's writing them all down. Well, down. I like the Hi. power move by Bucky on the show la- uh, the other day when he started. He didn't need paper to write down his notes. He just put them directly on <laughs> the table here. That's a power move. Yeah. That's kinda, the way a man acts. Kind of like not even letting me say hi, but telling me I'm, I mean, I'm loading the gun. Loading huh? the gun. I mean, I That's saw right. your stats pass. That's all right. I wanted to see. Well, you mentioned third down. I wanted to I wanted to look up uh, third down no, sir, statistics. More, more EH. Last, what do you, minute, last what? two minutes of the half. Oh, okay. What do you think, EH? So we're, well, I didn't see the rankings. So, so far, can we so – how do we review Rodgers, Roethlisberger. Okay. He says Rivers. Rivers. I say Luck at Luck. number three. And okay. Russell Wilson, five. I put okay. I put Russell Wilson. Who's four? four. I put Wilson four. He yeah. I had luck four. I had luck four. Had Rivers three. Big Ben two, and an A Rod one. I'm trying to five. I mean, I think there's a Russell. Okay, Russell's five. All right, you guys went over it a few times. I think there are four. I think I you know really I I feel like this is a big season for Drew Brees. I don't want to just cast him out. Maybe he'll have a a nice bounce back year, but. I, I mean, you know, oh, but, uh, what am I talking about? Wait a second. That's not my list. Tom Brady, is, I, 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 I did fall prey to your mind games, about? Bucky Brooks. I do go Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, yeah, still is number two or three. Say so he's right there with, with Roethlisberger. Like, Maybe he's a tick You like rule breakers. I don't. That's cool. There's a level of integrity that I, that I prefer in my guys, but that's fine. I told you. I can put him on the list. I'll put him on the list at five. But I'll put an asterisk there. Well, I do notice. Uh, I do notice a few things there. You know, uh, I know y'all think that I'm immediately going to defend the Romo, but you know, I remember back in 2010 when I we didn't were, think you were immediately going to. I said you might bring well, him into the conversation. You know, Romo has the reputation for not being clutch. I did. I just looked up his third down. I mean, it's his third down numbers were disgustingly sick last year. They were amazing. Um, 117 rating, 11 TDs, two interceptions, 67 and a half completion percentage, about as good as anyone in the league. But the guys that I'm surprised about, yeah. But about let me with just say, let me just interrupt you, Devil's yeah. Advocate or Devil's Damashek, if you prefer, is um, is you know he threw that terrible pass to Des Bryant up in Lambeau, uh, up the sideline. <laughs> put that one on the money, they win that game. They right. Move on. Who knows how far they go? Right. You know the two quarterbacks though that I'm surprised aren't there are Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, and I, I say that because I think it's really easy to to disparage Peyton Manning right now. He had a bad end of the season. Does that mean that he's done? I, I don't know that we can say that. I remember in 2010 when we did the top 100 players, 
and I suggested back then that Tony Romo was better than Michael Vick, and Michael Vick was way at the top of the list. And oh boy, did I get shouted down. What has Michael Vick done since 2010 other than ride the pine? You know, I mean, judging things off of one year, I, I think is unfortunate. I mean, Drew Brees didn't have his best year last year, but come on. I mean, Drew Brees right now, certifiable Hall of Famer. Yeah, but we're talking yeah, we're about going we're talking into about right 2015. Now. Do you right, do you have right now? I wouldn't. I love Philip Rivers. I I was on the bandwagon for him to be MVP through the first half of the year on your podcast. Uh, but I would not take Philip Rivers over Drew Brees. There's no way I wouldn't take Philip Rivers over Tony Romo either. Hmm. Uh, but to go through your top five, I like I like Rogers. I do like Brady in the top five. Uh, Luck over Roethlisberger is tough for me. I I, I would take Roethlisberger. Uh, I get. Maybe you're talking about taking care of the football at this point. Roethlisberger is. I mean, I think Luck will get to that point very soon. But at this point, I mean, he's a he's a turnover. Well, here's the thing: I'm probably going to get you know hated on the most. But of all the things, I do think that Andrew Luck is a little bit overrated. I mean, we. No, you're in the right place here. Bucky will agree with you. I mean, it's just not. He is the new Teflon Don of the NFL. I'm sorry. But there are plays that he tries to make that he needs to know when to live another down. He almost lost him the game against Houston when Houston had Tom Savage at quarterback because he threw a pick six. I'm not ready to put Andrew Luck uh, above Roethlisberger or Romo or Breeze. So my top five would not have Romo, Bucky. I have Romo at six. I'd have Roethlisberger, Breeze, Rodgers, Right now, Manning and Brady. I need to know for certain that the end of last year was Manning. indicative of the future. Yes. I, I You know, Peyton even, Manning. You can't even throw anymore. Well, I, I know what it's like to have an injured quad. I injured my quad playing lacrosse. I couldn't do anything. So if his quad was as bad as people said it would, it would be hard to throw the deep ball. Let, let's just see how it plays out. But I'm All not. Right. But, the, but the point that I make about Peyton Manning mm-hmm. is, I you know, five years ago, yeah, two years ago even, but, you know, look, Kobe Bryant is the direct analogy. He's 39. He's 39. One of the all-time greats. guys. But the body breaks down. And I, one, I injury, one injury begets another at that age. But going into late November, you would not have said this last year. Now, if, no, if now Manning, if Manning I, I still, had a – I still would have said it because you would physically, have? Yeah, physically he's not the same guy. If you really look at the way he plays the game, a lot of it is – Dink and dunk to a talented set of wide receivers and Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas who can make plays on the perimeter. Julius Thomas is a nice red zone weapon. His ability to throw the ball down the field is because he gets the ball up and out before those guys are there. If you look at the the range, his range is right at 40 to 45 yards. He's not taking shots like Aaron Rodgers takes shots. He's not taking the same kind of shots like Big Ben. Mm -hmm. He's efficient and he does what he does very, very well. But in terms of a top five talent at the position – I can't say that. Here's I one wrinkle for you, and I do think that it is, uh, you know, the, the style of the QB and the stadium even to some degree and obviously the coach and, and so on affect these things. But, you know, Marvin Harrison w- is a Hall of Fame level wide receiver, and I think you could put him on a bunch of different teams and that would remain true. Mm-hmm. But I do think he benefits from having played with Peyton Manning in a dome mm-hmm. and all that. Like if, as a for it's instance, fair. if you had put him in Pittsburgh, I think he – I, you know, I just don't think he's a fit no, that, in the that, AFC North. I think people make too much of that. Oh, the 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 muck of uh, the AFC North. He's a perfect NFC North, AFC North type of player. People make a little bit too much about no, that I, stuff, there, but I do think that that's valid. There's something real, real about that because, like, when you're building your team, you need to build it to play your division, 
but also the I confines agree. of your home. So, but there's a, but people do get hyperbolic too about that. Some of that, but there's some of that depends. Like the AFC North, like you need to have a big, strong arm quarterback to deal with the elements and the conditions. Your receivers, you know, Antonio Brown is kind of an anomaly in that division in terms of being a smaller guy right. that is able to dominate. I know Steve Smith has only been in that division for one year, but typically it's a big physical division. Corners are big; they knock you around, so you got to be able to endure and withstand. Not in Pittsburgh anymore. Those things. No, they have all mid. <laughs> Hey, but real quick, my question was going to be to you guys. The thing that is interesting about Peyton v. Roethlisberger head-to-head is how do you explain the Emmanuel Sanders emergence? He really – I mean, he had glimpses, but he had to drop something awful throughout his time in Pittsburgh. He gets to Denver, and, you know, he's he's, – Lynn Swan with the with the mitts all okay. of a sudden never drops a pass. I you know, I would compare it to my, my friend Steve when I was growing up. He was the only kid on the block that didn't have a curfew. And his parents just said, Hey, you know, we trust you. You, you know, just be smart and uh, his parents led by example, and I think when Peyton Manning goes out there, he expects these guys to just come ready and to know what they're doing. And some guys rise to that, and some guys don't. And I think with Emmanuel Sanders, that's probably what happened. Steve never got in trouble. That kid on my street, he never got in trouble, even though he was the one that all had all the freedom. I think Emmanuel Sanders, he shows up in Denver. He's expected to, to know the plays, to know the audibles, to know the hot reads, because if he doesn't, he's not going to see the ball. Some guys rise to that. Some guys don't. That would be my explanation. I was very much like Steve back in my day. <laughs> oh I was allowed to stay out. Youngest oh of five my kids. Gosh. Oh my Just saying, I was allowed to stay out. <laughs> Black tie and Steve. I have a question for you two guys, actually. Wait, wait. Is that, oh, do you agree with that, Buck? I believe the structure of the system, and I also believe the demands of the quarterback, depending on how Peyton Manning uh, approaches Emmanuel Sanders and the expectations of what the wide receivers are expected to do on their own, away from the confines of the building, the extra time that they're demanded to put in. Yeah, there's something to that. I don't know if Ben holds his receivers to that same level of accountability. And also, the offense is drastically different. That offense, that system that they've been putting in place under Peyton Manning, he's done it for years and years on end. Everybody who's played wide receiver has been productive, from Austin Colley to Blair White to Pierre Garçon. Mm-hmm. That system allows people to have success. We've got to let go of this whole Blair no, 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 White no. business, though. But he, no, had he, like, has he had like a though. game and a half of like, Austin Colley. I mean, everybody. Everybody loves to hold up those guys. Like, well, Peyton makes everybody great. Like, all right, where are Austin Colley and Blair White? Also, what you know, no, that system is the same system that the Buffalo Bills ran because Ted Marchabroda was in Buffalo during the early – inception of the K-Gun, that he took that with him and on and on and on. So it's the same system. So everyone who has played wide receiver in that system has put up big numbers. You know, and that's kind of what I'm getting to is, you know, so much of quarterbacking is the cerebral part. And if players rise or, you know, raise up their, their level of play, then that makes your quarterback better. So if Manning gets guys to play better than other quarterbacks, who care if he can't throw the 15-yard out like he used to? The point is, is the guys are playing better. But either way, I just, I just on a piece of paper, I did Rodgers, Brady, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Manning, Romo, Luck, Rivers, Wilson. The question I have is, I never know who's number 10. I think everybody can agree on these nine. Rodgers, Brady, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Manning, Romo, Luck, Rivers, and Wilson. But to me, there is a drop-off there. Is it Matt Ryan? Some people, well, we talked about this, and some people did not like that we so easily said, oh, yeah, Matt Ryan over Joe Flacco. I'm open to... The conversation, except that look up the numbers and they will bear out that Joe Flacco requires a certain level of uh, talent around him to thrive. And it's, I mean, it, the numbers will bear that out. He does not make 
random guys good. Matt Ryan yeah. has – you know, but Matt Ryan – yeah, it's 2014 you kind of have to look at when those guys start getting shelved. The team isn't winning games, but the offense and Matt Ryan specifically remains productive in Atlanta last year. Joe Flacco – Really, I don't think we've seen him. I mean, they had to go and get a couple of pass catchers for him in the draft. Sure. Goes, oh, Joe Flacco's going to make these guys great, and then they turn around and use their first and second round picks to to give him some high end. So going into this year, would you take Ryan at ten? So if we agree on those nine, that some combination of those nine are the top quarterbacks in the league, and there's a drop off. Who is that next? You know guy? what? I'll tell you what it is. I'm gonna I'm, uh, because I uh, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Like the uh, late great Jerry Orbach at the end of Dirty Dancing, I have to concede it is Joe Flacco. Even though he's inconsistent. Oh, 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 well, because we're talking about number ten. I'm not talking about what? making my. Let me just explain to you why. Oh, I'm talking on, about. <laughs> what's that? What's up with that? I, let me explain myself. Joe Flacco oh. does make the playoffs every year. And Ooh, Joe Flacco has performed up. well in the playoffs. Does he make the playoffs? Or the supporting cast carries him into the playoffs? I hear you. And then they allow him to make playoffs. All right, fine. But he does He does perform when he gets he, He's the guy that lines up on the center. Yes, he does do that. But he no, he, he's performed well uh, in the playoffs. I agree with both of y'all. I, I, Bucky, I do you think don't think he's been a good player? He's play- been, he's you don't been think very Joe- clutch in the postseason. For the- uh, I, w- I would say clutch is subjective. The Hail Mary throw over Raheem Moore. That was a nice throw. But I'm not going to say that Joe Flacco. It wasn't Joe a nice Flacco, throw. He just threw it as far I mean, as he could I mean, possibly I mean, I'm not going to say that Joe Flacco was out there dealing and they win because Joe Flacco. Yes, the postseason when they won the Super Bowl, he had 11 touchdowns. and no You want to talk about dealing? He took How about, care of the ball, yes. Here's where he was dealing in those two title games against the Patriots. And, in fact, last year, too. Yeah, but you remember now, the Patriots defense those two years in the title games, they didn't have – all right, but he performed on the outside. All right, so good, Bucky, though, right? so if it's not that was a, Flacco, wait a second, wait. A, I think somebody, to, I think somebody about eleven minutes ago just said like, those are professional football teams, right? And by to, the way, the Patriots oh, weren't just an NFL team; Alonzo, they were an NFL playoff my, my team. Alfon- Phil Belichick Alfonso, coached Alfonso Denard. That's right. He is the same as dealing against Darrell Revis and Brandon Brown. <laughs> you're just, right. You're right. Just, they, have, they have NFL on their jersey, so they all of the same. I'm just trying to stay right? consistent. That's all. You guys, I don't know if he it was dealing. You're my when Jimmy the word uh, deal. when he, Jimmy Johnson got the Cowboys job. Buddy Ryan said, "There's no East Carolinas on the schedule, you know, for what is uh, no, no cupcakes." What's so? So who's who's number ten? Number Bucky? ten. If it's not Flacco, Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt, Matt Ryan. Okay, Joe Flacco. You got Cam. I'm gonna give you a different guy. I would go with Matt Ryan. I would go with Matt Ryan over Cam. I think Cam is more talented than Joe Flacco. I'm gonna go with another Ryan. Ryan Mallett. I definitely go. No, with I'm not. I'm kidding about that. But he is by. You know what? Let let hear Damashek's word. Please. All right, I got a different name. I want clear. I want clear air for this. I want everybody to hear what I'm going to say because I'm going to say it a lot between now and the start of the season. Please say it. Ryan Mallett. You all turn the corner. Oh, everybody will be like Ryan Mallett. What a revelation! Who saw this one coming? I want you to hear me now and believe me later. Ryan Mallett will be held up. Well, look at this guy. What a terrific. Oh, the stories by mid to late October. This guy, what? Where? what's your key to success? There will be national features on Ending the pregame shows. Oh. No, slinging it. You'll, all right, well, listen. I We will see. Oh. And I just want you to remember when it happens, What? who told you it was going to happen? Ryan Mallett Hold on. He- and those Texans. Very good team this year. Same guy who said Jay Cutler for MVP. All right, listen, I have one error. In draft class, he should have been the second guy. He should have been the second guy. When you watched him at Arkansas, he was 
outside of Cam. He was pro-ready. He was well-schooled. He has a big arm. He's a classic traditional quarterback that has played successful, played well in our league. He's going to get his opportunity in Houston. He has a good running back behind him. He has some pass catchers. We will get an opportunity to finally see Ryan Mallett do his deal. Yeah. All right, so you got Flacco. You've got Ryan. I'm going to go a little off the grid. I'm going to go Alex Smith. I knew he was going to say Alex I Smith. I like that. Yeah. I knew he was going to go Alex Smith. I don't think Smith. that's a bad call. Why? I, I, I mean, he hasn't had anybody to catch passes since he got to KC, and they got to the playoffs and almost got to the playoffs. You know, I was never an Alex Smith guy until until I saw the wild card game that he lost uh, against the Colts with all backups out there throwing the ball accurately. He's got really good mobility, very underrated mobility. And with Macklin – we're talking about going into this year, right? We're not doing career. So, going in this year, I like Alex Smith to be the 10th best quarterback. Me too, with Andy Reid. I've said it before. I'll say this again. And Kelsey. Kansas City Chiefs are going to win that division. I agree. Also, Andy Reid does with a you. great job with quarterbacks. He does a great job of catering the system to make sure that they are put in the best situation to succeed. Alex Smith is the ultimate game manager, and people will take that as a diss, but it's not. He does a great job. As of, I always say, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are also game managers. He does turn the ball uh, over. He does a great job getting the ball to his playmakers. The one thing that keeps Alex Smith from being an elite quarterback, he doesn't utilize the field outside the numbers. For Alex Smith, everything is inside the numbers. If you want to know why his tight ends are very, very successful, he prefers to work inside the numbers. He doesn't like to push it outside because his arm doesn't really allow him to make those big boy laser-like throws. But doing what he does, he's a very, very effective quarterback, and Andy Reid is putting people around him to make sure he'll be very, very successful. Look, you think you're being really nice there saying his tight ends are very successful. You probably mean his wide receivers are not successful at all. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, go back. Vernon Davis had his best years when Alex Smith was quarterback. Colin Kaepernick comes in, his numbers decline. Part of that is because Alex plays the game from inside out, whereas Colin likes to go from outside in. He likes to look at wide receivers before he gets to the tight end. And when Alex is under center – Play callers understand that, so they feature the tight end prominently in the game plan because that's his comfort level. But that's what you say about Peyton Manning. Though. With Manning, it's obviously injuries, doesn't have the arm anymore, so isn't that a slight against Alex? Like, you're, you're way younger than Peyton, and you still can't go outside the numbers, and you still don't throw touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's what he is. I mean, that's top ten. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's what he is. I mean, that's how he plays the game. That's – that's it's a funny it, – well, and then we'll move on to, uh, to, to the headlines of this week, but – the thing with Alex Smith is that uh, you know it, the tale of two careers is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. Re- I mean, talk about Jim Plunkett and history and guys who you know are are bums and bums and you know first overall picks and then suddenly start winning Super Bowls. Alex Smith hasn't gotten to that, although he really could have gotten to a Super mm-hmm. Bowl against the Giants. San Right, should have gotten to that Super Bowl, and who knows what would have happened in the following year if they wouldn't have put Kaepernick in front of him. Maybe he would have gotten to another Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Either way. Um, yeah, I, you know, his ability to run around. and quick, quick But he's point. since he did take over, the point is he was a loser, not not just in his individual performance. He was on bum teams. Jim Harbaugh arrives. Ever since then, he has, he, he's uh, one of the great winners at the position. Confidence. Five years now? He's been a winner for five years Confidence now? and showed him how to win. Put the blueprint together, how to win games. Don't turn it over. Give the, guy, give the ball to your playmakers. Find a way to do it. Alex Smith, you talked about his athleticism. A lot of people don't realize this. Like his last year at Utah, like he was a spread quarterback. He was twenty-two and one as a collegian. I know what he, he was. ran for almost seven hundred yards. Almost I know. I have, yards. I have nightmares. Spread quarterback. So remember when he humiliated like, oh God, Pitt? Alex Smith didn't he run a four-six? Yeah, he can run. He humiliated like, Pitt. 
on the big stage. Uh, they, they had no business. They had no business being being in Pitt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was a, that was the bum beat Big East. Hey, one more guy. Just one. Still to... embarrassing. They're supposed to be a power conference getting housed by Utah. One other guy I just wanted to throw out because I feel like he hasn't been talked about at all, not just with us, but just at all. I remember getting laughed out of the newsroom when I suggested that Romo was absolutely better than this guy is Matt Stafford. He's been incredibly inconsistent. Everyone had him as the next great quarterback a few years ago. What, what, what do we, where do we put him now? Like, is he better than Andy Dalton? I, I assume oh, he is. I, I assume he is. Yeah, but I is mean, I think I think that, right. That so last, if he's better than Andy Dalton, that, is he that up last, to Flacco Ryan? No, that last category. I think they're like four or five names that you can put in. I think Cam is in that category. Stafford's in that category. You talked about Alex Smith, Matt Ryan, Flacco. Depending on okay. if we're going to Baskin and Robbins to get ice cream, depends on what your flavor is. What kind of quarterback do you? Oh yeah, and by the way, I, yeah, you know, in the uh, adhering to the no jive policy here. On the show, I didn't really sit down and I, I was just doing off the top of my head. How did I forget Cam? Cam is way closer to the top for me, and I think he's going to even be, be even better now. Wish he was more another accurate. big receiver. I always forgive the inaccuracy. There are a lot yeah. of guys through history that they're that the number one thing on their resume is uh, isn't that how how lethally accurate John Elway. Yeah. John Elway was not an accurate passer. Ben Roethlisberger, Terry Bradshaw, not the site two so, Pittsburgh guys, but those are two of the yeah. guys so that are going to be Hall of Fame. That's a good mean, point. The comparison, the app comparison for Cam Newton coming out was Ben Roethlisberger. They are carbon copies in terms of the way they're built, the way they play, or whatever. And when Big Ben struggled with his accuracy, a lot of it had to do with what's going on in front of him, the chaos from the offensive line having leaky people guys in his face having to maneuver, it affects your accuracy. I think the same thing with Cam Newton. Part of the reason that you have to have the big receivers on the outside is because he's always throwing under duress, so the ball is always going to be a little off in terms of his placement. But he has all the tools to get it done. It's a big year for him in Carolina because that contract is up. It's time to get mm-hmm. paid. So yeah. he has to play. All right, ball. listen, let's talk Before about Tom Brady. What black job? tie? Come on. question. He said uh, Cam reminds him of Big Ben, or that was carbon copy. What about Jameis, another guy who – well, we're going to get – that's why I wanted to move on because I know we're going to come back to Jameis in a few minutes here. We are. When we get in, yeah, just so you know, I think Stafford's NFC. better than Dalton. Well, I was just, just asking you. But in terms of his conversation, where, in terms of the context of the other players, where do you see Jameis being ceiling-wise? Uh, let's see. Jameis is built like – Do we expect him to be in the top 12 this season? Not this season. Mm. I think it's hard for any rookie to come in and do that. I think even the – No, there are a lot Bucks. of guys who have done it in the last six, seven years. Who? RG3, at the end of his rookie season, you would yeah, have put him that, in the top six well, or eight. But a lot of that was strictly due to his legs. His I know. To run. I'm just saying that like, the guys can get James, in there if they James, have to. James isn't built like that. Andrew Luck was able to do it. Luck, though, and um, Cam nobody. Newton. Cam Newton had the – But by his legs, though, it, a lot of his by his legs. James doesn't have that fallback. Like, everything for James has to be on the strength of his right arm. Um, James is a lot smarter than people gave him credit for earlier. He'll figure out – how to do it. The big thing will be can he dial back and manage his interceptions. Mm-hmm. I believe his first year were probably very similar to Matt Ryan's first year. And part of that is due to the dirt cutter influence. He'll start out where he spoon feeds him and he'll allow him to kind of turn it loose late. But I think if you look at Matt Ryan's rookie year when they went eleven and five and I want to say they maybe won the NFC South, I think he can have stuff like that in terms of numbers and statistics. And that year, every time Ryan threw over 30 passes, they went 0-5. But that's everybody. Everybody thinks that. Like, the running back, I mean, we talked about The running back is coming back 
to being in vogue. Like, you have to have a running game. You talked about Romo having a great year. Part of that is a direct connection with DeMarco Murray and that offensive line. When you play a certain style, you create easier opportunities for your quarterback. Being able to run the ball creates one-on-ones on the outside. makes it easy for your quarterback to have these open opportunities versus playing cover two. Years ago, when Aaron Rodgers used to struggle in Green Bay, it's because the Packers didn't have a running game. So what did people do? They played two-man, which is two deep safeties, five under, and they're playing trail technique, under, undercutting all the routes. Well, he couldn't defeat that because it's really tight. It makes you throw tight windows. But now you have Eddie Lacy. Teams can't play that because they have to respect the run. The running back I got really news for you, though. The that, that was a bad example because Aaron Rodgers has never struggled. Oh, my God. What He's never struggled. That's not true. It, His no, rookie season, he threw no, some picks. I mean, the not rookie season. The no, no, first I'm, season I'm, he saying, starter, I'm saying the teams. Relatively speaking, him, I know they can slow him down. Him the most, but against teams that play two man, that's when he would run the most. But when the Giants right. knocked him off when they were under. He would hold the ball too long, too. He took sack. I mean, a couple times he took over he 50 sacks. Criticized. Like He's kind of like the new kind of like Teflon Don. He kind of gets away with a. Yeah, not as much I as luck, it. as much as I love Andrew Luck. Yeah. All right. Now. Well, you I was going to jump on Tom Brady here. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about as quickly as we can, because I know the giant percentage of listeners don't care about the Flategate. They're, the cynicism here is, is at a high. So, there, there's a fatigue from it. I guess I'll start with Bucky, because you obviously played the game and uh, and can uh, can talk about I don't. I don't know if I even care about PSI and if it is a, a legitimate advantage or not. What's your takeaway, basically? I guess just to, just say something about it because we're here, required to talk about. Here's it. my takeaway. My takeaway is we on the outside, the public, we want to know everything about the game. We've been given more access to everything or whatever. So then when we find out stuff, we're outraged. Well, let me tell you, this stuff has been going on for years. Every quarterback has the ball. They like it a certain way, whether it's slick, whether it's oily, whether it's deflated a little bit, whether it's overinflated. Like, it's like a pitcher in baseball. There's certain things, they have certain nuances and idiosyncrasies that they like to make them feel good. This, to me, is not a big deal. People are making it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Yes, it was below the PSI level or whatever, but really all quarterbacks doctor the ball to put them in the best position to throw the ball the way they want to throw it. All right, but the but the – it's not the fans who have asked for or gotten this access, and that's what's changed it. It's that the league is weighing in against the Patriots because competitive advantage, home court advantage, you remember seeing that in Boston Garden always. That was what the Lakers always bemoaned. Oh, there's their, their dead spots on the garden floor, on the parquet the dust, floor, the and only balls, they know where it is. The yeah, dusty the, balls. Al Davis that. famously accused the Steelers of in the 75 AFC title game of icing down outside the hashes to slow down Clifford, Clifford Branch. They did do that. Oh, stop it. Those guys, they, they, they swear by that. The Raiders do. They swear yes. Fine, but the league didn't penalize Pittsburgh for it. And gamesmanship. I, listen, I, whether it happened or not, you know. And by the way, the Raiders were uh, took baths in Stickham, which wasn't illegal. But I mean, that's a bit of a uh, of an advantage if you're if you're cloaked in. Uh, Lester Hayes set the. I don't see cloak. this the same way. I don't see. I'm sorry. I got to stop you there. So Lester Hayes had Stickham up and down his sock, and actually Bolitnikov was the guy Freddie, that, that Freddie started B. that. Freddie B. Yeah. So Lin Swan liked it. Yeah. Now hang on. So it's one thing if you're trotting out there at wide receiver, so you're whatever, Charlie Joyner, and you see 
Lester Hayes has got Stickum, and it's all there for the world to see. Jerry Seaman can see it too, or Jim Tunney, right, the refs. This is equipment guys going into the officials room, pulling the balls out afterwards and doctoring the balls. Now, I'm not saying that I think this is the worst egregious act in the history of pro football, but it is it is an egregious act. It, it, it is the definition of cheating, and I think one of the reasons— uh, I wouldn't say that it's cheating. I would equate it to— the throwing, pitcher getting the ball back from I would, the I would, I would catcher. equate it to throwing a spitball. I would equate it to <laughs> Well that is cheating. I'm just saying like it but in baseball we're not outraged when they have a little stuff. Who was my man last year that had the brown stuff on his hand? I think it's I, like that. Well, I mean it's, it's No, but it's, there's it's precedent game. for that. You know, Mike Scott was an Astros pitcher, won twenty games, and I remember the Mets in eighty six looking at the ball. Don't remember that? Scuff, of course. Scuffing the ball. Oh yeah. He was scuffing the ball with I, that. Yeah, so he can move a little bit. You know, Dave, I may be wrong on this, but I think one of the reasons why some fans are sick of this and they don't really care that much is not because they don't care. It's because they're they've already desen- they're desensitized to the Patriots cheating. I honestly feel that way. <laughs> I, I, love that I think they're just like, yeah, that that figures. I mean, well, I mean, that's, I mean, like, I will say this: they certainly go all the way to and maybe a a little beyond. The line. I like where uh, Elliot is exactly right. And well, this yeah, is what I mean, I've been telling that. my Patriots fans friends. I say it I, for years. I've told them this too, even before the Deflate Gate thing. I, you know, uh, Sporty Simmons out there at Grantland and Kevin Hench and those guys who I've watched the games with for a decade now, always arguing Steelers dynasty versus Patriots dynasty. Here's the bottom line. You know, a hundred years from now. Uh, an inquisitive young football fan will hear tale of the New England Patriots of the early 21st century, and he'll want to know more about them, so he'll take out the NFL record book to investigate more. What about these deeds by Tom Brady and Belichick and so on? And he'll open to the pages of these New England Patriots, and unfortunately for him, he won't be able to find out anything about them because the entire period will be obscured by a gigantic black stain. That's what you've done, (laughs) Patriots. You've stained yourself in the sport with your cheating ways. You know what? The Philadelphia Flyers, I don't like them. They're the only team in sports I don't hate the Baltimore Ravens, even though people think I, I don't. I, you know, the only thing I actually hate, well, Penn State too, but the is the Philadelphia Flyers. But the one thing I give them credit for, aside from their terrific uniforms, really handsome, the orange and black, is that at least they own their villainy. At least they embrace their 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 being the Broad Street bullies. Same goes for the Oakland Raiders. They're 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 all you know they they love well, that. That's, Madden and Al Davis embrace their villainy. Well, that's the, the Patriots want it both ways. They want to cheat and then still be like, what? What do we do? That's the difference. <laughs> that is the difference because in Oakland, they absolutely will tell you, like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Like, that's, that's right. That's what it is. Like, you know what it is. The rules are going to try and find every event. Own it, Patriots. Own it, Patriots fans. I'll have more respect for you then. And that's, and they are Shame it, on you. It better is. than better than the Steelers dynasty of the seventies. Fair. Should you burn the lead here? <laughs> What's the lead? You burn the lead here. What like, is it? The whole Ted Wells report thing, guys. I called this doing the press conferences two months ago. All you had to look at was Tom Brady's body language in his press conference. <laughs> I kind of agree with you. Called this. It's like he it was phony. Belichick came up with his legit ingenuity. Tom Brady was straight phony. We didn't even know Ted Ted Wells' report. 
Body language, baby. Never fails. I, you know what? You're not crazy on that one. He did behave. He comported himself like a guilty man. Robert Kraft did not. Bill Belichick did not. They were kind of like, what are we talking? But, but Kraft was angry. You know, that is an innocent man. What do you do? What? And I, you buy it. Tom Brady was, did have that kind of like, oh, man, caught me <laughs> kind of vibe. So, bottom, let's bottom line this deal. Do you think Brady should be suspended? Uh, I think it's got to be. Though, right? I think he will be suspended because it's become such a huge story. How about that? How about that season kickoff game? Now? No, Don't Garoppolo. I tweeted yesterday: Garoppolo versus D'Angelo Williams. That's what I we're invited at. Tom Brady and Bill Simmons to join me. Me, Lev Bell, and Legarrette Blunt are planning. We're just going to listen to the car on uh, <laughs> listen to the listen to the game on the car radio. We're just going to drive around for four hours. You know what? If Simmons and uh, Brady, one of those two is going to have to ride hump in the back seat. But you know. <laughs> We could have a, it could end up being a good time, you know. We're all just going to drive around, listen to the game. But uh, yeah, what about that ball? Yeah, because Legarrette Blunt is suspended for it too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's it going to be? You should get Vrabel since he played for both. <laughs> think about how, think about that game though. It's going to be embarrassing if the Steelers lose to Jimmy Garoppolo. That that could be the way the season kicks off. All right, next on the uh, uh, on the agenda here, let's get to EH's Cowboys here. Whoa, whoa! You burn another news item. Ed Reed, man. Well, I don't, well, get to that. What? Who are you to tell me which item I have to go to? Well, I'll get to that one. The first, Ed Reed. Lael Collins Uh-oh. has signed now after, you know, Bucky, I said to you about uh, five days ago in Chicago, I said, am I being naive with this kid? Is is there too much smoke here? Am I supposed Because my, my instinct is to feel bad for him. Why is he undraftable when we don't know anything and the police have consistently said do I not understand criminology well enough to read between the lines when they say he's not a suspect then so why is he undraftable and I thought well maybe the the hammer's going to drop on the others anyway here we are now I did feel bad for the guy but now he's probably better off than a lot of the guys who got drafted even in the second round financially true yeah but he would have been a first round pick and so he he lost a lot of money. By oh, he did? Yeah, he lost a significant sum of money. I mean, I think Nelson Aguilar's son, he was a 20th pick. I want to say maybe he got almost $10 million, $5 mm-hmm. million guaranteed. Leo Collins signs a three-year deal for $1.65. But all of it is guaranteed, which is nice hmm. for an undrafted free agent. However, he misses wrong. out on the signing bonus. He will get an opportunity to get to the table again soon because three-year deal – He'll have a chance to go as a as a restricted free agent to hit the market. I would, based on the Cowboys, if he plays to his level, the Cowboys will offer him a pretty fat deal earlier before he even gets to that. You've watched the tape, and this has gotten lost in the last week. He hasn't benefited like all these guys who were drafted in the first round to this analysis of all of his uh, great skills. Is he a great offensive lineman? Is he a guy, given how good the Cowboys' offensive line is, is he a guy that will be a usable piece this season? I thought he was a top 10 pick. I oh, thought really? He, wow. I thought he was better. Top 10 pick? I thought he was a top 10 pick. Wow. For me. I better than Flowers. I, th- I thought he was better than Flowers. And, and really, in my estimation, I preferred him over Brandon Sheriff. Hmm. Like, I thought this is a mean dude. And anyone who loves Dante Fowler, pop in the tape of LSU versus Florida and watch Leo Collins put his hands on Dante Fowler. This is a grown man, very physical, uh, has a nasty disposition and a spirit. For the Cowboys to get him with that offensive line, 
it's scary to think about what they can do up front. Where do but, they put him at right tackle? Well, that's what I was just about to I get think, to. I think I think so because I I think you put him at right tackle and you can kick Doug Free out because the rest of that offensive line, the continuity is outstanding. You have Leary playing beside Tyron Smith, then you have Travis Frederick, you have Zach Martin, then you put Leo Collins there. They can just line up and play old school '90s Cowboys football, which is just mash you into the ground. The one thing that I wish, even though their offensive line is good, I still wish they had a running back. I'm not convinced on Darren McFadden. I like Joseph Randall. Uh, I to, wish for them to take dude. Duke Johnson would have been such a great. T.J. Yeldon, in my mind, that would have been. been nice. the well, there are a couple things, man. A, a whole bunch that, gosh, that you just touched on. Uh, number one, so if you look at the Cowboys' offensive line. You could make the argument that Doug Free, the right tackle, is better than their left guard, Ronald Leary. But but that's a six of one. Either way, either six way, six of one, half dozen the other. But the money right now is invested in Free. They just re-signed him. However, do you want a guy like Collins having to learn how to play left guard, or would you rather just have him play something he's natural at and leave Leary alone? Given that Free and Leary are very equal in. In other words, you're hurting yourself one way or the other. I mean, you just paid free this money. If you're going to kick him to the curb. I didn't see the deal. What's the terms of the deal on Doug? I think it was three years, like $5 million a year, something like that. I need to I need to look it up. Okay, maybe okay. maybe Black Tie could do something besides complain about Ed Reed for a second. Uh, <laughs> but that that's the first point. I, I Me personally, I wouldn't want to move Collins inside, even if Leary's a hair worse than free, because I wouldn't want him to have to learn how to play left look, guard. The, the only thing is the pecking order. I think Leary was an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Normally, I know Lale is an undrafted free agent, but he's an undrafted free agent with another asterisk. <laughs> yeah, like he's a – because now, just envision this. Smith, Collins, Frederick, Martin. That four, they can wham anybody. You won't even have to worry about Doug Free because they're going to run the ball all to the left. Like, this is a grown man. You think about the impact that Tyron – So you can drop made. Collins in at left guard? Yeah, I think so. He played left tackle. Like he I don't understand why when guard. you always hear about that that offensive line, oh, it's gonna take him a while to learn the position. How uh, hard does, can it be no, to, no, 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 no. how hard can it be to learn to lean up on someone no, 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 from take, a different place on the line? Because depending on your stance, depending on understanding like line line calls, line calls understanding yeah. how to play in tight quarters is different than playing in space. I know. But the offensive it's line easier. thing the it's offensive your, line thing, as I always say, is the thing that the fan thinks they understand more than they do. And I'm I'm the classic example of that. Like, I, how can I evaluate that Anthony Munoz was was way better than anyone? I mean, I don't know. I you tell me that he was, and I watch him. If he consistently, can, I can tell defensive tackles who are great because I can watch them cave the line. I can see that with my eyeballs. But it's hard to assess five guys. They're all standing up and leaning. Well, on then people. let's use what something do- simpler here. Doug Free is 31. Leary's 26. Three years, $15 million deal, by the way. There it is. So, How much uh, signing bonus? I'm uh, guaranteed six mil. I, I mean, that's it's significant, but it's not. It uh, is. But, yeah, but, yeah. What, but, what you, but what you now have, you have options. You can take your time with Leo Collins. And Free could be that swing lineman, the kind of guy that or Seattle free, needed free can, last free year. Free can start, and you can take your time with Collins. Like, yep. I know they, they have done a great job of developing their people. The bigger issue to me with the Cowboys will be, what is the impact of Bill Callahan leaving? Mm-hmm. Bill Callahan did a great job of setting that run and doing some things. Um, a lot of times people won't, they won't believe this when I tell you this. Like the offensive coordinator, like Scott Linehan. So you see Scott Linehan with the big placard, understanding how to do make all the play calls. A lot of time a play caller is good at one aspect, either calling the run game or calling the pass game. So Linehan may be first and ten, hey, I need a run. Callahan will say, hey, call the power. Callahan is no longer there. They're no longer doing that scheme. Who handles the running game and can Linehan 
discipline himself enough to stick to the run when he doesn't have that guy in sure well and that you you touched on the big criticism which was not taking a running back the only thing i'll say on the flip side of that i I would have liked to seen it myself but dallas carries three running backs some teams carry four some teams carry three dallas carries three they've got three pretty good ones darren mcfadden say what you want about the dude he's put up some he's bad he, well, okay. You said I could say what he, I want. He, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> he hasn't but, done anything in three years. He's also 28 years old, played for a sorry team, and and has had some huge, bona fide, huge days in the NFL. Three. Uh, oh, dude. You need to go back and look at Darren McFadden's numbers. 2010, 2011, he had some big days in the NFL. He averaged like 150 yards from scrimmage. I remember game. when he okay. had those, those that uh, month or so where he was just, it seemed like going for 200 every game. But. Randall, and you could – talk about it. it was pretty well regarded coming out of school averaged over six yards a carry last year okay and then Dunbar that's the guy people don't know Dunbar is explosive and he's a third down guy and you're not you know you could say oh they should have drafted a back well everybody has a different role it's not that easy to find a third down running back in college that could beat out the guy that you already had so I, I think they got to a point in the draft bucky where they're like we're not sure that these guys can beat out who we have right now well I mean I, I, like the draft, the way it unfolds, like as much as we like to say on the outside, like, man, we, man, you just go get your guy. You got a need. You take this guy right here. A lot of times what happens, you're in the fourth round and you're looking at the board and you have a highly rated safety, a linebacker that's rated, and then your running back may be a little bit below those guys. Do you go and fill the need with a lesser talented guy or do you go and get the guys who are more talents? Everyone talks about taking the best available player. It really Depends on if you're disciplined enough to stick to the premise. And sometimes you walk away with a draft and say, man, we didn't get our running back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it happens like that. And they may feel good enough arrogantly that their offensive line makes it where it doesn't really matter who's running the ball. When I was in Kansas City with Marty Schottenheimer, we had Tim Grunert, Dave Zott, and Will Will Shields. And he said – I could care less who's my running back because we run behind those three, they're going to pick up yards. Well, I, it's funny because that, to me, is the is the point that we will learn, the overarching point is the 2015 Dallas Cowboys will go a long way towards answering once and for all the old debate, chicken or the egg, does the offensive line make the runner or vice versa? We will see now if, a, if Darren McFadden, who by most accounts is, is a washed up, never has been, uh, that's a uh, – paradox there but either way and these other guys these unheralded guys if they all soar behind this dynamite offensive line I guess it'll uh, it'll give a lot of credence to those who love the uh, the big O lineman all right Ed Reed let's talk about that it's fascinating a couple weeks removed from the guy in the same division this isn't I always use the you know Gretzky and Lemieux played in the league in the NHL at the same time and Willie Mays and Babe Ruth did not, which lends itself to sort of argument. Um, This is two guys in the same division, and they might be, with Ronnie Lott accepted, the two best safeties of all time or two of the top three safeties of all time. Modern era. Playing in the same division, playing each other twice a year is pretty remarkable stuff. Buck, who was the better one? Man, I probably – too close to the flame on both of these guys because I know that what I would tell you is players that play with them will say that the guy that was their counterpart in the back end had to cover up for a lot of freelancing and free. Yeah, right. That's right. For in, both those in guys. In Pittsburgh, Ryan Clark was needed to make sure that he could protect Troy because Troy would just take chances based on sure. a feel or something that he sensed and he would go. 
So that backing got allowed him to do what he does that allowed him to be great. Ed Reed, the same thing. Ed Reed would fly out the deep middle on a hunch or based on something that he saw on film. Sometimes the Ravens would set traps that allowed him to be the free player. It really comes down to style. Ed Reed's ability to have 60-plus interceptions, the way that he made plays on the ball, the way that he took those balls back to the house, I really like that. I have a tremendous amount of respect for what Troy did. Tasmanian devil in the back end did a lot of things. But as a pure safety, I just like Ed Reed more just because I like guys that can play the ball. E.H.? Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. That's so – gosh, that's so tough, man. Uh, But, uh, you know, to me – I think you could have put Ed Reed in more defenses than you could have put Troy Polamalu. I, I really think that Troy benefited from Dick LeBeau, and that is not – I mean, Dick LeBeau is a legend in my mind, so that is not in any way uh, disparaging Polamalu. The other problem for Troy was the health. You know, it did creep up there. Even when he was still a good player, he would, you know, have an ankle or something like that. And most importantly, I mean, the, the goal in the NFL, obviously when you're on defense, is to top, stop the other team from scoring. But when you have a defensive player that's a threat themselves, that's a whole new dimension. That's the one area that Palomalu just didn't have. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking like crazy, but Ed Reed was a threat. I mean, remember that interception he had? Was it against the Eagles about eight yards deep in the end zone? He, and he, took did, it. It, he did it so many different times. Punt returns. Well, I, I, you know, it's a funny thing. And it, it, you talk about completely different styles, but yep. it's funny that they did both freelance, that they had the, uh, the liberty to do what they wanted in those two defenses. It's sort of like, I guess, you know, you talk about two guys in the same division, Palomalo and Reed, two Texas running backs in the same era, Earl Campbell and Tony Dorsett. You know, the one guy is is this, you know, physical, um, you know, de- devastating it's physical guy, and Tony Dorsett is, is fleet of foot, smaller guy. And so it seems ironic from you know from a distance that well Tony Dorsett had the much longer consistent career but of course if you are a physical big guy like Palomalu isn't tall but he you know obviously a thicker huskier sort of guy he created contact obviously a a lethal tackler Ed Reed was not that I mean you know Troy Palomalu but the attrition of doing that hurt Palomalu as much as it hurt the guys who he was doing it to. You know, Palomalu's greatness lasts for about eight years, if we're being honest. You know, Ed Reed's lasts longer, but that is because Palomalu, to some degree, has, you know, is is getting head trauma and everything else. But I'll tell you, Ed Reed, I I mean, I I guess, like you say, you're splitting hairs to try and put your foot down. One, that guy's definitely better than the other. They're both great. They're both all-time great. They play different. Safety position. One was a free safety, Ed Reed. One was a strong safety. Troy Palomalu did his damage near the box, near the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. And so you're not really comparing. Well, but he was good. I mean, you know, there were plenty of yeah, games he when did. he would match up with uh, sort of the Hulk versus Wolverine type of battles in uh, in terms of stature when Troy Palomalu was going up against Antonio Gates just about yeah, every year, battling he, him downfield. He's, he's in the box. He's, he's near the yeah. line of scrimmage. He's that eighth defender. Ed never really played in that role. He was always a deep middle player, always deep, being able to play the eyes of the quarterback. Troy was more of a gambling guesser. And even if you talk to our own Solomon, he'll talk about how they made a lot of amendments to the defense to allow Troy to kind of do his thing. Like they they kind of played around his freelancing and his ability to play on hunches. Same in Baltimore, but a little different in terms of how you set up your defense in Pittsburgh. For the first eight years, Tom Brady was Palomalu's kryptonite. 
it always seemed that Brady knew how to do Palomalu with play action and would expose him at least once a game. That being said, there are plays. The thing I, I, I you know, a month ago when Palomalu hung it up, I said and wrote about him, this is, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I don't know how you quantify this, but he was unique. There is just no one in the history I, of football I, like that. And it's, it's not just the hair. You could chop no, the hair no, off. No, no, man. He but, would make, I mean, the plays that he would make, I'm going to go back. I, I don't know who has this handy within the sound of my voice. Go back and look at that AFC title game of aught five played in January of aught six in mile high and watch how he single-handedly on defense blows up play after play fourth and inches to, you know little uh, dump outs to Mike Anderson he did it against San Diego out in space and him too. closing from out of nowhere and blowing him up and not letting him get that inch for a first down I mean just plays that you would never see another human being make on a football field Ed Reed though you know there, there, he was superhuman too with his ability to be it would seem you know, 40 yards in real space away from the ball as it leaves the QB's hand and close it out and end up uh, picking it off. Run into the spot. You know, the one thing about Palomalu, a couple of years ago, he did one of his things where he jumped over the line and he guessed wrong <laughs> and everybody made fun. That started to happen more and more. Yeah, time fine. And I was like, listen, name one other guy you ever saw do that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he. I can't think of a player that I ever, I've ever seen that, literally would run up to the line in jump time over. Oh. jumping over and when a player creates something totally like everyone went cuckoo for cocoa puffs about cam chancellor this year jumping over the line right to block I'm like dude palomalu's been doing plays like this for eight years where have you been and i think anytime a player introduces something that you never really thought of before i mean that right there is is worthy of greatness i think both of these guys honestly without overstating our first ballot Hall of Fame. I, I, like, I'm, no I'm, waiting period. My no jaw drops at the idea that, that, that people – I mean, Ed Reed – I guess the answer is is that most football people go Ed Reed because it seems a foregone conclusion. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Both where are. I, where I actually hear conversations about, I don't know if Palomalu is going to get into the Hall, is, is laughable to me. All right, fellas. We went so long on the quarterback stuff, on Ed Reed – and Collins and so on. But I didn't even get. Can I, can I at least get his top five power rankings? Because I haven't, I haven't had opportunity. He to. gave them to you, the quarterback. No, no, he quarterback. I'm talking about his power rankings. Could didn't you do, just do a new power ranking? Oh, I'm I so did. sorry, Elliot Harrison, yeah, NFL.com, my man's power ranking. Post draft power ranking. I yeah, did. Lay them, lay them on. Unfortunately, us. they came out right before Deflategate. Uh, but uh, I had New England one. I leapfrog Green Bay over Seattle. I have Green Bay two. Uh, How can you have the Patriots as the best team in the NFL going into the season? Why, well, why, why can't you? Well, because they don't have a just top five they lost quarterback, Ritas? Bucky. I mean, they, they just have a quarterback that's outside the top. Well, let me ask Jimmy you Garoppolo is going to lead them all through. The, I mean, but when, once uh, Brady comes back after Wait six games on the shelf. Hey, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that no, when I, I did the uh, power rankings. But let me ask you this. Why would you put Seattle over New England? Let's start there. Well, I don't, uh, I don't uh, think. In fact, Bucky, I know, agrees with me. How? I mean, what? What game are you playing, Bucky? You can't say well, why wouldn't you have the Patriots number one? You said they're not going to make the playoffs two days well, ago. Then how about yeah, I explain why? But this is preseason. Here's why I would do it. Into the season, preseason. Here's why I did it. Okay, uh, I get that Jimmy Graham was a great acquisition, but I can name you chapter and verse of great players at Jimmy Graham's level. That's right. Okay, that have not done well with new teams. You're Andre Risen in Cleveland. And uh, bigger than that, Herschel Walker in Minnesota. You are changing the philosophy, the style of the team. With yeah, that. Javon Curse. Max Unger out, pass catcher in, not a blocking tight end. That team offensively is going to be quite a bit different. Maybe it needs to do that 
because uh, you know, but they do have that core defense. I, I agree. Mean, I mean, agree they could yeah, fall back, but they lost Maxwell. Okay, uh, Kerry Williams did not have a good year in Philadelphia. Maybe he'll play better. Uh, Max Unger could play, and this is a running team. This center here is a little more important than maybe a center in another NFL city. So, uh, meanwhile, New England had 11 draft picks, an infusion of talent. Seattle had, what, five, six? So, to me, there just wasn't enough there to leapfrog Seattle over New England. Now, I took Green Bay uh, over Seattle. That was was a tough one. And my biggest thing for Green Bay-Seattle this year is the fact that they don't have to go to Seattle. They're playing at Lambeau this year. You know, there's no way I think Seattle wins that NFC Championship last year if it's in Lambeau. I just don't think it happens. I agree with Uh, that. Yeah, we – and I liked Green Bay's oh, draft. Oh, Bucky, that game was ridiculous that the Seahawks even wanted it all. But, see, I was there the week before, and I watched Dallas dominate the game for the Packers for the most part and give it up. They dominated the, the game. The one for so, Murray getting stripped. Yeah, I mean, like, they were dominating the game from point of attack. Like, every game is different, and you can't create momentum. But I'm not so certain. I'm not going to pencil I hear Green Bay into the Super Bowl just because they would have played at home. Well, let's get Black Tie's opinion. So, Black Tie, my four and five, oh, I want to okay. see what you think here. So I've got I've got New England, Green Bay, Seattle, which I think everybody would agree with in some order. But four and five is where it gets tricky. I've got, and this is before Colin signed with Dallas. I got Arizona four, Indy five. Indy the Indy shored up the defense a little bit, gotten a, somebody different in the first round. I would have switched them, but I got Arizona four. There's no way Arizona can have the kind of bad luck they had last year with injuries. It just doesn't happen two years in a row like that. New coach though, new defensive coordinator. That's true. Uh, Ty Bowles, he, he works. Same guy at the top. Same guy. I like Bruce. I love Aries. I like. I like. I like what they do. Why so much faith in uh, Carson Palmer there? Uh, well, Palmer will be healthy. The, you know, the thing I felt like was underrated with the Cardinals last year is everyone's so down on Ellington. Ellington played the whole year hurt. Like you know, I, if you're a running back, you got a bad foot or a bad ankle, and you play on it, you're not going to be as good. All right, real quick because we didn't do it. Maybe we'll elimination get to- chamber. What? No, it's back. All right, so out of EH's top five, I'm going to give you four teams, and you can tell me who can jump into that top five. So we're eliminating one, but to enter EH's top five. All right, here we go. Atlanta Falcons, uh, Miami Dolphins. The Falcons? What? Denver Broncos <laughs> or the Dallas Cowboys. So which one of those teams I should think, be in the top five? Wait, should be? Or could be. You play this elimination change, chamber, and now it's a good thing to be chosen. Yep, yep. This that's isn't a, a fallback. I, I thought you eliminate one because they're not good. Well, I let you know. This You're going to call me eliminated. a homer, but that's got to be Dallas. I agree I mean, with that. I mean, I don't like my options. Give, give me two, like, don't say the Falcons. <laughs> Atlanta <laughs> not, and Miami not, were not good options. Bucky not thinks the they're going to win the division. Hold on, I, Bucky I like thinks Miami. the Dolphins I are like going to win the AFC. So give me, give me the other three. It's Dallas. Okay. Who else? Falcons. Dolphins and Broncos. He said Broncos, Broncos, Falcons, Dolphins. It would only be between Miami and Dallas. And, I mean, the easy money would be on the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they were just there. They have the same – most of the pieces coming back. Running back, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an easy sell, but I can't, I can't, I can't say that the Miami Dolphins would be better than the Dallas Cowboys today. Let I, me tell you, something. I think Miami splits with everyone in the East, like three and three in the division. Split I, with Buffalo, split with the Jets, split with the Patriots. We got to, you know what? We have, we have to do another show. I'm sorry, you're going to have to come back to both of you so we can talk NFC and get that picture laid out because we got caught up with specific uh, other debates and we didn't pour over the NFC picture. But I will say this. I think, well, to, to Elliot, since you missed it, 
I think the Texans are going to win the AFC South. I believe that they're going to win it, not make the playoffs. I think they're going to beat the Colts out to win that. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win their division. I think someone other than the Patriots has a really good chance of winning that. Maybe the, the Dolphins, Bills. Jets, the Dolphins and the Bills. And listen, it's a different look for Tom Brady. It's not going to be the Dolphins a, and the Bills. If, if it's Brady's not a fade to play the Bills, in yeah. August, that's for sure. Especially if Brady's on the shelf for He's any. He's out for four games. It's a wrap. I didn't like right. Buffalo's draft, but um, no, I mean, on the other side of things, we could, we'll talk Jameis and that NFC South playoff picture. What the about the North? Do you miss the North? I love it all. I think the Vikings are. No, no, no. I AFC. Think, you were going through all the divisions. Cincinnati. And I, I told you I can't decide yet. Oh. I, I, oh, I said that the other day. I can't Andy decide Dog. yet. They go again. I told you. I'm meditating. Red, red rifle. Fine. I'm, I, I need some time to decide on the Most AFC North. Most team in the division. On the other side, though, in the NFC, I, I think the Rams are awfully interesting. With that defense. I don't hear it. So you like him or not? Like in or out? I thought we were packaging the NFC. We're I'm going confused. to the NFC later, but I just want to make one point. The, the NFC East is going to be so fascinating. This Why? Year. The Cowboys to see if they can keep this thing going. The Cowboys are always the a Gi- lightning rod Gi- and interesting. The, the, the Giants are very interesting with Tom Coughlin. Crews coming back. How about Chip Kelly's Eagles? What are they going to be? Yeah. They're going to be fun to watch either way. And even in D.C., the train wreck that is Jay Gruden and RG3 and that whole melodrama, I don't think you can find a more fascinating quartet. I thought they had a good draft. Not necessarily first round, but the rest of the Redskins draft. Well, we're going to talk about all that. In the meantime, I think we've talked about a lot of fascinating stuff to hang your hat on. Thanks to Elliot Harrison. Again, NFL.com is where you find his power rankings, Bucky Brooks, all sorts of pre-draft and post-draft stuff for uh, you to review there. From him, good stuff out of black tie behind the glass, kind of. Sorry about the skipping over Ed Reed for you. Black tie. We'll be back next week with more hooey and applesauce. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moment 
moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.